All right, welcome back to another episode of the podcast. Uh, I think this is our third one back, third one of kind of season two, I guess, um, after our long hiatus, but but we're back again. Um, Bastion, a lot's happened over the last few weeks. You've run a 354 mile. You've also run another mile and you've got a few more miles coming up. Um, how have you been doing? It's been pretty good, honestly. It's it's kind of that time of the season where you're looking at times across the nation and you're like, crap, I still have to get one. And you're either stressing out or you're feeling completely fine if you're in. And um, I had a little bit of both in the last couple of weeks. Um, first time I went to Iowa State and couldn't get it done. And I became a stressed man for the next couple of weeks. And then I got my time at Boston, which was which is great. I mean, it still wasn't an ideal race, but um i did kind of did what i had to i'm like content with it you know but obviously i'm hoping for more and i think there's still more there but um maybe that'll be discovered outdoor because it's nationals time and we both know usually that means big pbs are no longer really in store yep um so just quickly going back i guess a couple of weeks now the last time we filmed an episode we were talking about you heading off to Iowa State, you ran 357.24. Um, talk us through that just a little bit, just kind of briefly touch on it, because obviously there's a lot more that's kind of happened since. But did you expect that, I guess, on that day you wanted to take off the national qualifier or were you kind of using that just as, you know, a mile rust buster? Um, yeah. A little bit of both. A little bit of both. I, I thought that... I'm going into it. I was pretty cocky and I thought that I would just be good enough to run a qualifier no matter the circumstance. And obviously like Iowa state a 300 flat track, which I, I mean, if you've watched my running, I tend to do a lot better on 200 bank tracks than I do 300 flat tracks just always have. I don't know why, but um, basically not ideal in any scenario. We did have a pacer who was slow. And then, I mean, it, it was a tough day. It was tough to do it. Nehemiah too. And I, we had a lot of contact in that race. I still have a couple scars in my leg from it. Like we were just jostling for position back and forth, both making stupid moves that I really think did cost us like a second or two that day. Obviously um, I ran much faster the, the next week, but it was just more of like, it almost felt like it was like a rivalry race between me and two. And it didn't really seem like it was a, a race where we were going for time. Like we just ran it. Like we, we just wanted to beat each other, which can be good, but it's, it's not going to get you a great time. So yeah. Yeah. Going forward then to Boston. Um, Obviously I talked about the Boston track and how, how fast it is. I, uh, for anyone who is watching this, you probably know my recent results. Um, my opinion on the Boston track is forever changed after running 744 there. Um, I went back two weeks later uh, wanting to go a little bit quicker. We'll touch on it more in a minute, but I went quite a lot slower. Um, going into Boston for you, I guess we'll talk about your race first. Um, how was training going? And did you think, obviously, you ended up running 354.89, um, number eight, I think, in the country right now? Um, yep which is pretty wild. I don't know what it would have ranked last year. Honestly, probably fairly similar with how... Probably a couple places higher, like fifth or sixth. But, yeah. But yeah, pretty similar, honestly. Yeah. yeah. I feel like the top end this year and last year have just been really quite strong. 
Um, yeah. Yeah. But going into Boston, um, training all going pretty well. Did you think kind of 354, 355, or even quicker? What What was kind of your goal going in? Obviously, you wanted that national call, but um, what were your thoughts? Literally, that was it. I just wanted a national qualifier. And the, the week up, I, I had this annoying tickle in my throat all week. And I was like, oh, man, I feel like I'm coming down with something like this is so annoying. And like, but it just never got worse. Like I felt it the Monday before we went over to Boston and the Boston race was on Saturday. And I was like, oh, I should be fine. Right. Literally Friday night, the night before the race, I feel terrible. Like it's like it hit me then going to the bathroom. Like I'm feeling so bad. Like I'm stressed and worried about it. And so I throw up and I'm just like, I'm literally laying down in bed afterwards. And I'm like, I, I have no idea how I'm going to run. This is, and I just, of course this happens to me. Like, you, you know, the thoughts just yeah. absolutely terrible. And the next morning, it honestly took all the pressure off of me. Cause I'm sitting there eating breakfast in the lobby and I'm like, I mean, there's no way I'm going to run a qualifier. Like, there's just no way, like like whatever just gonna go out there and have fun at this point this is ridiculous and I was just kind of mad at the world but but I was gonna go out there and race anyway and I did and honestly it really changed my race strategy going into it because going into it I I kind of wanted to go for the win and run at the top of the pack and as soon as like I felt terrible I was like all right let's just really play this safe because as long as you're not in the back few of this field, you're going to run a qualifier. And if I just get out in the back and then halfway in past a few guys, I'll be fine. So mm-hmm. that's, that's exactly what I did. I really played it safe. Just make sure that I get a qualifier out there because circumstances are pretty terrible and just live to fight another day, honestly. So yeah, that was kind of everything that took place and my mindset about everything. So I'm, I'm pretty happy that I did get a time. I'm happy that, Obviously, I'll be able to go to nationals because I feel like I'm capable of better than I'm ranked. But um, yeah, I mean, it's it's solid. But obviously, I I think I can beat guys that I narrowly lost to and guys that have run faster at other meets. So, yeah. Yeah. Did you like the track? Just going back to back to the track. Yeah. Yeah. The, the track is ridiculous. It really is. Like, I, I don't know what it is with it, but. When I when I'm running on that track, I feel like there's a slight spring in my step. Like it almost like bounces me more or pushes me yeah. forward a little bit. Yeah. Do you do you know what I'm talking about? It's weird. I did know. I did. Yeah. Until I went <laughs> back. <laughs> but yeah. Uh no, I, I do know what you mean. It is really nice. Yeah. Especially going from the Iowa State track. Not not saying the Iowa State track's bad because it's a nice track, but, yeah. but like going from the Iowa State track to the Boston track is just like, man. Yeah. No wonder everyone runs their qualifiers here. Yeah. 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 No, it's good. But anyway, that was that was my that was my couple weeks. Got the got the qualifier after a lot of stress, but now we're just chilling, getting ready for conference. Meanwhile, you raced twice as well. You raced the same day at Boston that night, right? Yeah. In the 3K. And then you raced a week later just yesterday, or was it two days uh, ago? Two days, two days ago. ago. Yeah. Yeah, two days ago. So Talk us through that. Talk us through how both of those went and kind of what, because I, I feel like a lot of the Fog Dog fans are like, oh, Fog Dog's a miler. When's he going to run the mile? But you've strategically been running a lot of 3Ks this indoor season. So I feel like for the most part, they know why, but talk us through just everything that's been on your mind and why you've been racing 3Ks and what the goal yeah. was. Yeah. So um, the reason behind kind of choosing the 3K for indoor, at least, is 
kind of the the big focus for the indoor season was coming back to England, which is where I'm at right now. Um, coming back to England to race at the UK Indoor Champs um, in the 3K, trying to qualify for European Indoors. Um, the 3K qualifier is 7.44.00. Um, three weeks ago now, um, I ran 7.44.14 um, as my season opener in Boston. Um, and when I ran that, I thought, this is going to be great. I'm going to run it run another 3k then head back to england um i'll get the qualifier under my belt and head back to england for british champs place in the top two and you're guaranteed to make the team if you have a qualifier um so yeah long story short basically i thought for qualifying for european indoors my chances of making it in the 3k was stronger than my chances of making it in the 1500 um and i thought it was a really kind of making European indoors is a really good kind of stepping stone competition to, to make an international team. Basically. Um, it's not like a world champs. It's not like an Olympics. It's not even like a world indoors. It's European indoors. So it's, um, kind of one of those competitions that I was really focused on and I really wanted to qualify for. Um, and when I ran 744 one three weeks ago, I thought, um, taking off that qualifier would be achievable. Um, you can technically be selected if you've run under 750, I think, but um, you needed to have a world ranking and running well at British Champs was kind of a big um, selection criteria. Um, and it's really weird. Like, so I ran 744 and then straight after that, um, I got a bit of a cold that week, which is, yeah, three weeks ago now. And I had a sore throat and I was a bit congested, but it was never anything major and I didn't I didn't have to miss I didn't miss a day of training. Um workouts were going all right. Obviously I felt a little bit run down. I was I was tired and I was a little bit under the weather, but by the time I went back to Boston, um, say meet you raced in Boston, um I thought I was good, I thought I was ready to go, I thought I was ready to run under 744 and um Casey Coma, my teammate, was pacing. Alec Baston, your long lost brother or friend or cousin or some sort of relation, um, was he's also my teammate now. Uh, he was in the race as well um, before he headed off to Australia for the World Cross relay. Um, and I thought that was going to be the perfect kind of chance to run that qualifier. Um, and I got on the pace straight away and we were meant to be going 406, 407 through the mile, which was a little bit slower than um, I had gone through two weeks earlier when I ran 744. So I was kind of thinking this will be great. I'll feel comfortable and I can kick down and, you know, run something in the low 740s. Honestly, I thought on a good day I could be under 740. And I, I ended up being 410 through the mile. I was the one who got in behind the paces and 400 in i felt so much more tired probably than i felt at the mile when i ran 744 and i ended up going yeah. through the mile in 410 and i knew i knew well before that that it was going to be a really tough day but by the mile i was really struggling and i was 515 then at 2k and i just completely had nothing and i went backwards and closed terribly i did give up because i knew that it was off and i yeah. wasn't gonna run anything quick um 
So I kind of jogged it in, ran eight of seven, but it was just like such a shock going from 744, yep. feeling pretty good overall. Like it was, it was hard. It was obviously hard. It didn't feel great the whole way, but it felt yeah. relatively so much easier than when I ran 807. So that was quite annoying. Um, and a bit of a, yeah, a bit of a kick in the stomach, I guess. But um, I came back to England for British champs and I still like was confident. You know, I was just putting that down to sickness. I thought British champs, if I can have a good run, I'll be in the top two um, and I could still get selected. Um, but I've just been feeling so tired. And in the week leading up, I, I flew in, got to England on the Monday and I was going to be racing six days after on the Sunday. Um, a couple of days ago now and the whole week le- leading up um, I was just feeling tired but I was trying to be really positive about it and I was trying to like talk myself into it and by the time race day came around I was like all right I'm good to go like I still woke up I'd slept for like nine or ten hours and I I knew I'd slept a lot but I like wanted to have a nap like I was I've just been really weirdly tired but I don't want to use that as an excuse but if I don't use that, I don't know what else I can I can pull out the bag. Um, so anyway, turned up to race. Um, and in my head, deep down, I kind of always knew like I hadn't been feeling quite right. And uh, yeah. reasonably strong field, but nothing ridiculous. I thought on a good day, I thought I could win. Um, I thought almost in no world I should be outside the top two. To be honest. Um, yeah. Like, it seemed like it was going to be you against James West. Yeah. James yeah. West was the only guy going in with a qualifier. Um, he'd run yep. 742. Um, it was then... And you raced... You battled him a few times back in the NCAA, so... Yeah, I mean... Yeah, probably. Yeah, yeah I kind of... I think you, you raced him at Indoor Nationals, I think. Yeah. Maybe, or yeah. It might have been in... Maybe he was in the other heat. I don't know, but... Mm. but yeah. Yeah, yeah. Um, yep. But he was, like, the the big kind of guy going into it the one well he was the one guy with the qualifier he'd run 742 then on pbs it was me 744 then jack Rowe, who'd run 746 the week before british champs and then after that it kind of dropped off down to i think 754 was the next fastest pb um so i kind of thought you know based on that i should for sure be in the top three even if i don't have a great day and I had the same thing happen, like 200 in, we went through probably 32 and then 64. We were 209, 210 through 800. Um, nothing that quick. I think 419 through the mile. Um, but I just felt flat out uh, and went backwards. I mean, I was I was fairly consistent. Like I was running, I think my first K was probably 242. Um, and then I kind of, picked it up a little bit for the 2k after that but i just had nothing um and i ended up running eight flat to come six i was actually seventh over the line but then jack Rowe got dq'd so i was six yeah and it just wasn't wasn't good overall i mean i was i was speaking to alfie manthorpe who runs the track star um page and he like he he had a really good run. He beat me. He ran 756, um, which was a good PB for him. But um I was kind of saying to him, like, I just can't work it out. Like, um I just 
have gone from 744 three weeks ago to struggling running 807 and then struggling running eight flat. Um, yeah. And six of British champs, like when you when you look at it on paper, I guess is like, you know, it's a reasonable result, but a lot of people didn't run it for one. And I know yeah. that I should be higher than that. And I wanted yeah. to the European indoor team, which I now haven't been selected for. Understandably, I mean, I've run pretty poorly the last couple of races. So, yeah, that's the way it has been um, for the last couple of races. But I guess now we'll have to just bounce back for our outdoor. Um, yeah. Is that so? Is your indoor season officially done? You're you're just kind of training now getting ready for outdoor season is that yeah yeah, yeah. Okay. so if if i ran well at british indoors i think you know being in the top two i think i would have had a reasonable chance of going to european indoors which is in probably another 10 to 12 days from now um yeah. but i didn't run well um didn't get selected so i'm having a week off um just kind of resetting uh, having a bit of downtime, hoping kind of that whatever is going on with me will either I'm actually having some blood tests um, just to make okay, sure, cool. you know, everything's all good. Um, yep. I've really never had this. Like I was talking about it after the 807. Um, I kind of I put it in the YouTube video I made for the 3K race, the 807. Um, I was just like trying to think and you were probably in the car when we when when we ran in Boston and me and Jay were talking about it. Like, I I can't think of a time where I've had a race like that, where it's like, something's got to be going on. You know what I mean? Yeah. I've had yeah. bad days. Like, I've had days that I'm not, like, completely happy with, but I don't have, like, bad days. You know what I mean? Yeah, you never blow up. Because, like, I'm trying to think last year, your your worst race at Drake was probably the 342 at Drake Relays. 341, yeah. At 341? And that's, like, 341 is not bad. I mean, well, it's like a three three fifty eight mile. Like that's a sub four effort. Yeah, yeah. yeah. I mean, it's so, it wasn't like an incredible day, but it was like, you know, it it wasn't terrible. It wasn't like it wasn't embarrassing. Like you exactly. you don't cross the line feeling embarrassed after that. Yeah. Whereas but you do after an eight oh seven. Yeah, obviously. yeah, yeah. Yeah. Oh, and it's, it's weird. Well, I mean, a couple when of I years. saw yeah, go on. So when I saw your race at Boston, the the first one, and when you told me that you'd been sick all week, it doesn't surprise me that you had one bad day because oftentimes when you get sick, you often feel worse at the end of it because you're still trying to train and your body's just drained. Like yeah. your body's drained from the training through it and fighting the illness at the same time. So it makes sense that you have one bad day. But then you'd think that you'd think that a couple or was it two weeks after? Only a week. Only a week. Only a week. You'd think that still like a week yeah. after your body would be able to recover at, at British champs. And, yeah. and it, it did a little bit because I mean, you ran seven seconds faster in a tactical race, not yeah. in a, not in a, in a race where you're going for time. Yeah. So, I mean, it was, it was slightly better obviously, but it's still nowhere near what you wanted. So yeah. Yeah. It's frustrating. I mean, it is frustrating. Cause as I was saying, when I ran 7:44, I was like, I think, I think I should be knocking on the door of running under 740 and for sure being right there um, trying to make yep. that European indoor team. And then it's kind of another one of those things. It's kind of just being, you know, I've missed out on, but um, yeah, uh, who knows? I mean, I'm, I'm hoping that it's just like the end of 
a sickness, but I wasn't even that sick. Like I, I got sick, but I wouldn't say it should have affected me this much. But even even now, like the few days since I raced, I just yeah. feel tired. And like I've been walking down into town. We in England, like mum and dad live in a little town where you can kind of walk down and um we've been walking down and like having a coffee in the morning or whatever. And like I just feel so drained. Um yeah. so yeah, I mean, I'm not trying to make excuses for how I've been running. And it, it is all relative. I was going to say this before, like some people might be listening and I might sound like a right knob saying, you know, 807 is terrible and embarrassing. But obviously for a lot of people, that would be, you know, such a good time that you want to run. So I don't want to sound like I'm being ungrateful. But when you've run 744 and you're trying to run faster, going and running 23 seconds slower is not yeah. what you want to see um it, it, it is embarrassing yeah i mean it's 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 all relative the guy's a 430 miler and he runs 445 i mean he's going to be fucking embarrassed <laughs> yeah like yeah. it's yeah it, it, it doesn't matter what your times are if you run 15 seconds off your pb and anything you're going to be embarrassed like yeah, that's exactly. just kind of the way the exactly. way the sport works like yeah uh, so, what's embarrassing for us might not be embarrassing for someone else no. i mean if you are if you are goose ran my mile time this last weekend in boston he would have been embarrassed like yeah no exactly yeah so, i mean well, yeah. whatever it i don't think anyone would be offended by anything you're, no you're no fine. yeah but um so yeah anyway that that's basically my indoor season done i'm having a week off now um i might you know go for a couple jogs during that week Corey, my coach is kind of just saying have a full week off um let the body recover i've been i've literally been sleeping like 12 hours a day as in 10 overnight but i nap every day I, and i can't help it um yeah I would say it's like I'm in a deadly cycle where I nap, so then I can't get to sleep till late. But I, I sleep at the moment ten hours at night and two hours in the day, and I'm falling asleep easily. Huh. So, Crazy. Yeah. Maybe uh, maybe you got mono part two. Wow. I would never want that thing again. I'm glad you can only catch it once. I think. Yeah. Seriously. Yeah. But I mean. Anyway, moving moving on from from us, obviously, I have I have conference this weekend. Um, yeah, this this weekend on Sunday and Monday. It's weird. Someone else rented the track for Friday and Saturday, so I'll be racing my finals on Monday, which is so odd. That I don't actually think I've ever done that. That actually happened last year. We had our big conference mile final on Monday. I remember it. Yeah, because obviously huh. for me it was like kind of a bigger deal. You were just kind of pacing like. I had yeah, I had all my focus on it for like the tenth week in a row. Like, this is the one. This is the one. Um, yeah. but uh, it it's the Big East Conference. I I'm going off last year because it was last year, but Big East. Yeah. Um, huh. Are going, which is so odd. Why would the Big East go to Chicago? I don't know, but I just remember no, seeing the Over Boys running on it before oh. us, and then we turned yeah. up. Funny that the Missouri Valley doesn't get first priority. They give it to the Big East. Um, <laughs> it's crazy. Yeah, we're such a crazy good conference. Yeah. Speaking of crazy good conference, I will be racing the mile in the Missouri Valley Conference. I will be a bit of a favorite, so hopefully I should step up and get the win. <laughs> yeah. It- I mean... Honestly, I I got tenth last year, so you can't guarantee anything in in our conference. But I'm gonna go out there. I'm gonna do my best, and hopefully, hopefully, get a win in the mile. And then I'll be racing the DMR as well. Every year, my coach thinks we're gonna win the DMR. Um, 
he convinces himself every year. And despite he never loads it, he, he always puts like, he always puts me in it. And then like three other, like, just like pretty good guys, but like we, we never load it. And he always thinks we're going to win the race and we never do. And this year he thinks we're going to win it again. And yeah, yeah. um, it, we could, <laughs> but, but the deal is Jay and I made a deal that um, if I'm within five seconds of the lead, I have to go for the win. If not, then I can just jog it. So, um, True. so yeah, we'll, we'll see where I get the baton. And if I, if I have a chance when I get the baton and if I do, I'll obviously go for it. And it'd be, it'd be great to get a win in the DMR because we never really have at conference, but um, we'll see. I guess it kind of just depends how everyone else runs and uh, like kind of how the race pans out. Cause you never know if DMRs are going to be tactical or pretty hard races. So yeah, I guess we'll see. You but are. Yeah. But yeah, I'm definitely talking a, a big game for someone who nearly got lapped in the mile final last year. <laughs> when is the DMR? Uh, and obviously you you pace. That was a joke. But um <laughs> I hope you won't have any problems winning the mile this year. When is the DMR? Um so the DMR is the day of the prelim. So I'll race my prelim on Sunday and then I'll race the DMR. Sunday night. So the prelim, the mile prelim is the first event on Sunday. And then the DMR is the last event on Sunday, I think. Yeah. yeah. Um, nice. and then and then Monday will be just the mile final. Yeah. So yeah, it should be good. Um, but that's that's pretty much all that's going on with me. Like, and I think the rest of the NCAA is kind of just conference weekend. There are some crazy DMRs run last week. Like, yeah, I mean, Oklahoma State beating Washington was was eye-opening for sure. Um, and yeah. honestly, like it made me it made me think like man these these washington boys are are beatable like they're showing they're showing that they're just human because like i mean yeah yeah well, what we saw at washington was was crazy the 351s and 352s 353s basically throughout their entire roster and losing losing to oklahoma state obviously oklahoma state's great but losing to oklahoma state is definitely eye-opening yeah like i yep. mean who? I mean, it just makes it makes guys like me, probably Thomas Vanipin, like Adam Spencer, all us guys that are like in the mile, like cemented in, like we're all thinking, man, like still we can beat him. Yeah. yeah. Who sure. did uh, so, who did Oklahoma say actually run? They had Foad. Did they have Foad let off? So Foad and Joe Wascom both let off in two forty nine mid, I think two forty nine yeah. low. Uh-huh. They handed off, which two forty nine is a good split. What I would expect from them, honestly. Yeah. Nothing crazy. Like mm-hmm. it's fine. Um, and then Ryan Shope and Kieran Lum anchored. Yeah. Ryan Shlope an- Ryan Shope anchored in 50 352 high. Yeah. But it's 1600. So that's probably like what 354 high. With a rolling start as well. So call it four yeah. flat. Yeah. <laughs> <laughs> yeah, four flat. Yeah. No, I, it's probably like 354 high, yeah. I would say. But yeah. but yeah, um, and then uh, Kieran Lum anchored in like 354, so like a okay. 356 effort. So mm-hmm. pretty, pretty decent, but again, like nothing looking at it yeah. like, wow, that's they're beatable. Honestly, Shope ran more impressive than anybody else did that day, which is something Shope's obviously great, but I wouldn't have expected that going in. He also has run, is it him who's run 741 in 3K? Oh, no, yeah. Alex Meyer. He has as well. So Foad and Ryan Shope have run. 741 and then alex myers run like 
something crazy in the 5K, I think. Okay. Wow. Yeah. Um, so yeah there is some serious, yeah, serious strength in uh in the NCAA right now. And I feel like Washington and Oklahoma State over like the the mile 3K and 5K included as well, probably like they've got to be they've got to be the strongest with then NAU, yeah. I guess, having like some solid milers in 3K, 5K times overall. NAU is a single but... miler in. I don't think they do. Nah. Yeah, I Nico mean... Young's kind of been struggling this indoor season as well. He does have a 5K qualifier, Nico Young. Yep. He struggled at Milrose, didn't he? 751 in the 3K, which I mean... Yeah. I would have taken this weekend. Um, but Yeah. I mean, speaking of just other pro results, I mean... Uh, yeah, like ending ending in the DMR first. It's it's taking seven or not seven nine twenty three to qualify in the DMR this year. Last year is nine thirty. Yeah. So to put that in perspective, you have to run seven seconds faster in the DMR this year just to qualify for nationals than you did last year. They don't take sixteen teams, do they? Is it twelve? I think they take twelve. Okay. Yeah. And it might even be faster. It might be nine twenty two or nine twenty one. It's it's ridiculous. That is crazy because remember a couple years ago when what was it? Yeah, it was two years ago during that 2021 indoor season when it was kind of like the weird COVID cross country mini season as well. Oregon ran 919, I think, which was like the NCAA record and a world record at the time. I guess the DMR isn't really run very often. So being a world record, it's kind of like the NCAA record especially with how strong the NCAA is, will always be the world record. But, um, yeah. but yeah, they ran 9.19. And that year, it was probably like 9.35 to get in. Not, maybe slower. Now it's, yeah. yeah. I mean, ridiculous. Ridiculous. Um, but, yeah, like, and then speaking of just other results across the the world, really, we had the, the world record broken in three K, which is yeah, holy crap! What seven twenty three? Yeah, all right. I mean, I would. He didn't even look again as well. <laughs> he didn't even look tired afterwards. I mean, if any race has made me like raise my eyebrows and a little bit suspect, it's that one. Yeah, he that he's is chaser, isn't he? Germa. He's usually, I think the weird thing about that was like watching that. Um, it was like, I actually got it up on a live stream because um, I was watching the 1500. Jakob ran in the 15 that night as well, 332, which is like you, not really surprising for him. It's kind of like bad for him to be honest. <laughs> yeah, yeah. Um, <laughs> but I was watching that and Germa, I think no one really expected it because he's a steeplechase guy usually. And obviously, if you're a good steepler, you're going to run a good 3K. But if you're running a 3K world record, like, it shouldn't be a steepler doing that. You know what I mean? Yeah, it should not be. Like, usually, like, you do steeple if if you're a great runner but not quite good enough at anything else to, like, make the Olympics and anything else kind of thing. Yeah. Like, generally, that's just kind of how the steeplers work. But, but I mean, Gurma is just ran a world record in the 3K. Didn't even look tired doing it. And beat the what the guy who got third in the world championships last year yeah who ran yeah 724 i think who's also a little suspect if you ask me but (laughs) 
Yeah. I mean, wow, that's that's crazy. Just yeah. Crazy. The thing with Kater is like, I think he's had a few question marks around him because he went from being like a 335 guy, like a 750 something 3K guy one year to the next year running 328, I think, and sub 7.30. And now he's run 7.24. Like, he, he's now a, a really big contender for World Champs medals. Obviously, he came third at World Champs in the 1500. Um, yeah. So he is now one of the well-known guys, but he kind of burst onto the scene, I guess, a couple of years ago now. Um, but he was under the world record as well. Um, yeah. Former world record, obviously. So pretty mad. Lots happening. Pretty, pretty mad. And then... Was it was it one week before that at Milrose where Yard Nagoose ran the American record yep. casually three forty seven on a slow track? That's not a fast track. Yeah, it's like funny. the Armory's yeah. not. Yeah, we were talking about yeah, that, like the conversion from his seven twenty eight. Like, what would it be? And we were kind of saying like three forty eight, maybe three forty seven, maybe three forty nine. Like an American record seven twenty eight in the three k. What would it be in the mile? And then he goes and runs three forty seven on arguably a slower track. Um not even arguably, it's a slower track. Yeah. 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 <laughs> uh, he's in some shape. Um yeah. I mean he could he could win the world championships in, in the mile, genuinely, or in the fifteen hundred. Seriously. Yeah. yeah. If he continues his form. It wouldn't be a big surprise, definitely. Um yeah. So yeah, lots happening. It Yara's a funny one. Like obviously he's in insane form and it's so good to see. But when he like like his final year in the NCAA, seeing him at indoor nationals last year, um, struggling in the 3K, like not getting the win in the DMR, like he's found his form again, I think it's fair to say. Yeah. Yeah. It's yeah, he's he's um when you compare like all these runners that are some of the best in the world at the top end, he's less consistent than all of them. At least he has been throughout his career. So we'll see if he can kind of become just consistently one of the best runners in the world. And we'll, we'll kind of find out through outdoor season, see how his fitness goes through the outdoor U S championships. And then probably the world championships probably. granted he, he didn't qualify for them last year. So we'll see. Obviously, I'll be in. I'll be in that field, hoping to make sure that that doesn't happen. <laughs> yeah, yeah. Who knows? Could be your turn. One thing we do want to talk about: we have kind of covered, I think, most of what's been going on, um, the college and the pro level. Um, we promised we would get to a few questions, so we are gonna touch on them. Um, so I guess we can we can basically just get straight into it. Um, Lucas Kukus on youtube asked about strength and conditioning so um we can kind of both talk a little bit about this but um bastin do you want to start with like what you do at drake um i don't know if it's changed too much but also kind of how it's like incorporated into training in terms of running and then how it kind of changes throughout the seasons i guess yeah um i guess my biggest weird thing that i do strength and conditioning is uh we did this last year a lot but i jump rope a lot like we get in the weight room and i'll do three sets of like 150 just like 
jump roping and then like I'll do one or two sets where I'll only do like 50, but I'll do it super fast. And so that, I think that just like helps you work on turnover, like simulate, simulate moving fast and like, yeah, like the motion's supposed to be good for your natural foot speed and the jumping is good for your natural foot speed. And so I, I really like doing it. I feel like it's pretty beneficial. I don't think like the strength and conditioning is the one thing that's like, oh, this is the one thing that's made me really good. No, of course not. But I, I do think it helps and a lot of it's mental as well. But uh, we jump rope a lot. We get the we use like the muscle bands, like those those small bands that are like that yeah. big. I, yeah, do a lot of like monster walks with it, like where we're just walking sideways, walking forwards and backwards, even doing some like just raising your legs, like running motion legs with it. Mm -hmm. um, and then just dumbbell, barbell squats, like normal stuff. Like we, we don't do anything crazy, but and I don't think I don't think gym is something where I go into it saying, OK, I'm going to like really go hard, like 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 a hard effort workout no I, I don't think that's the case i think you're just kind of working so that hey like we're building strength to prevent injury we're building strength so that when we're kicking at the end of a race we can maintain form a little bit and we're building strength so that hey if we're having a bad day and we're dying we're not going to die quite as much because we have that strength and that from from the gym so i think um that's kind of the main stuff i do in the gym um I don't know how it's changed since you've gotten to Under Armour, but yeah, what what do you guys do? Yeah, uh, it's fairly similar, honestly. Like, I feel like unless you're doing a ridiculous amount of gym and you're lifting really heavy as a distance runner, I feel like you can't go too far wrong with it. Um, you're doing it twice a week, yeah. Ah, uh, yeah, once or once a week on race week, twice a week outside of race week. Yeah. yeah. That's pretty similar to us as well. Um, we were kind of on throughout like the fall and the winter. We were on a nine day cycle. Um, so in that nine days, we'd kind of have like two hard workouts and then a long run, which was like a long run was always like a workout as well. So we do a progressive long run that kind of turned into a workout. Um, so on our nine day cycle, we had two hard, relatively hard lift days. Um, and now we've kind of, now that we're racing again, um, we've gone back to kind of the standard week cycle, um, two workouts a week with two lift days, um, that kind of come after workout days. Um, but they're, they're really nothing like you don't leave the gym feeling like you're completely wrecked. I don't think that's the point at all. Um, they're usually on easy run days and we'll, I don't even know. It's it's fairly standard stuff. We have a strength coach, uh, Carrie. She's been really good. Um, but it it is all fairly standard stuff. We do squats. We do a bit of calf stuff. We do a lot of glute stuff. Um, a lot of focus on uh, kind of like working both hips and glute muscles and kind of like learning to, I guess, co-contract them, it's called, um, so that when you're in a race and you're trying to um trying to keep your stride going and keep your form good as you're getting tired your your glutes and your hips are quite good at continuing to propel you forward and the the one big difference actually from college to i guess going pro and having having a professional strength and conditioning coach 
like there's always a purpose to our gym sessions and they they do vary a little bit kind of based on how we're going and what like the the goal of the lift is um but in general the strength training is all focused on minimizing ground contact time and increasing your stride length but keeping your turnover quick Mm -hmm. um yeah so driving your hips forward it's all everything we do is basically targeted at that so when you're when you're hitting the ground you're you're quick off the floor off the ground and you're you're able to drive your hips you're able to keep your stride length long um so it is all pretty standard we've we've been incorporating a bit more like um medicine ball kind of stuff like the big soft ones and like pushing forward and like working on hip stuff where we're really propelling forward and like getting momentum forward so that i i guess our bodies are like more used to that and um i think that's that's definitely been helpful but you know it is no kind of magical potion doing a bit of gym isn't gonna like turn you from whatever you are to some superhero runner um overnight it's it's kind of yeah it's one of those things that probably helps but it's also good for strength uh for injury prevention um i think um i think like a big important thing that you said during that is that like wow while we we do like take gym seriously you don't want to tie yourself out because obviously when you're training running is the most important part of your training and so you don't want to hinder like if you if you have a gym workout and let's say you have a running workout like a hard workout the next day and you're in gym you don't want to hinder that workout based on what you did in gym no so like while you're going to work hard in the gym like a little bit you're not going to make yourself to the point where you you can't walk because then how are you going to have a good workout the next day yeah and actually like well yeah funny you say that because i think nowadays we never have a workout the next day or at least something weird would have to happen for us to have a workout the next day after gym but i think at drake pretty much always you work out the day after gym right yep literally every single gym workout we do we we work out the day after yeah and yep I mean, maybe some some days at Drake, I would like feel a bit tired during workouts, but I wouldn't put that down to like going hard in the gym. You know what I mean? Yeah. You you work out, you can run 20, you can probably run 23s for 200 at the end of a workout. Like gym is not taking away from running. And I don't know if like coaches would disagree with that and want you to like leave the gym tired. But I think if you're starting out in running and you're trying to incorporate a bit of gym, take it fairly easy but yeah yeah as long as you're not overdoing it i don't think you can go too far wrong with the gym um another kind of training related question from justin south um is talking about basically threshold and tempo work versus kind of race pace um and speed work um do you want to do you want to start like do you have a favorite the the question is kind of more talking about which do you think is more beneficial and i feel like it's kind of a tough one because they both have a purpose yeah uh yeah there's there's no i mean yes is the answer really they're they're both so important i think um i think when you're in your base phase of training like when you're when your next race is two months from now um i think the tempo and progression work is way more important. Right. But then when you're, when you're two weeks out of a race, when you're a week or two weeks out of a race, then the other one's more important, the speed race pace stuff. 
because you're when you're in your base phase, you're trying to get the high mileage in and get your body really fit so that when you come down, when you come down in your taper, your legs are feeling really good. Your legs are feeling really fast. They're feeling very energetic. And the only way to do that is by building strength through that tempo work. But then obviously when you're a week, two weeks out of a race, you're going to want to do those hard, fast efforts because you want to know what the race pace feels like. And then you want to work on closing and getting that speed in your legs for late race. So I think they're both super important. Um, the, the tempo works more important in your base phase and uh, the speed works more important when you're racing. Yeah. Uh, I can't really add much to that. I think the only thing that could be said is like at the right times, I think both can be added in during yeah. like the more important phase as in, in the winter when you're doing lots of tempo work and the tempo work is obviously more important because you're not racing for quite a while. Um, there's a way of keeping your legs turning over and doing just doing like strides a couple of times a week at the end of at the end of easy runs, I think is a good way of doing that. We I, I'm sure you still kind of do the exact same thing. But I, when I was at Drake, we'd, you know, on a Monday, the day before a workout in the fall, we're running close to 100 miles a week. But after our eight or nine mile easy run, we'd hit the track and do um, maybe a couple of 200 strides and a few 100s like nothing hard but you're just kind of turning your legs over keeping a bit of that race pace or close to race pace stuff in there and then equally like when it comes to race season if you hit february and you think right from february to september i'm going to be racing on the track and i'm going to be racing a mile every two weeks on average and i'm just going to rip 300s every week for the next seven months you're probably going to get to you know, two, maybe not even two or three months down the road. And you're probably going to find that you feel pretty worn out. Your body's like needing either a bit of a break or a bit of like that, a top up on strength work. So I think um, they are both important. Um, tempo stuff is definitely better for the winter. Speed stuff is better for race season, but coaches know this. Like if you have a few weeks off racing, I think you can get a bit of strength work in. And vice versa. Yeah. Yep. Um, yep. So, yeah, I think that kind of kind of covers that one. Um, then, yeah, there's only kind of a couple more, but Steve Pieri, I think. Uh, I think that's how you pronounce it, but sorry if I've got that wrong. Um, just kind of wanted a quick comparison on the differences between my time at Drake versus what I'm doing now. Um, and then he's also asked about your kind of mindset um having gone from a couple years ago being happy qualifying for regionals in the 1500 to now wanting to win you know national championships in the mile in the 1500 um so i guess i'll just quickly answer the first part of the question um not a lot changes from running in college to running professionally um Obviously, I don't have any classes to worry about, but I feel like my time in college, I was a business major, majored in marketing, and I feel like I've milked this far too much. Like, whenever I get asked about my college time, I always say that it was just not a whole lot of schoolwork. Um, I got my degree. I did all right. I did fine. I did more than the bare minimum, but in terms of grades, but bare minimum or less in terms of actual work. Um, so now I, I just 
don't have to worry about classes, which is very nice. And in terms of the running, um, I would actually say my mileage has come down a little bit um, overall. Like in the fall, it was kind of 80-ish, um, whereas in the fall at Drake, I was up, you know, mid-high 90s. I had a few weeks over 100. And I'm sure I'll get back up there again. But being in a new system, I think um, it's kind of good to take a reasonably smart approach and i've chatted with Corey, my coach about it and um we've talked through training and stuff and it's it's been working really well i feel good i feel strong um obviously the last couple of weeks haven't quite gone according to plan but i ran 7:44 three weeks ago and i think that's a good indication of how things have been going um there was something else i was gonna say um and in terms of actual workouts nothing is too different we did add in double threshold days though um which i actually really have liked we haven't done them for a while now because we've been racing but um yeah i'm also getting like yeah a good base phase workout like kind of like what we talked about a couple questions ago like a great double threshold workout yes yeah um i'm also like being i guess now a pro it's there's a bigger focus i would say on recovery um Mm -hmm. and i've been uh in with under armor we're based in baltimore at under armor world headquarters and we have um like really good facilities so we catch the boat over across the harbor and we have world headquarters right there and at world headquarters um there's gym that's where we do our gym work um there's massage, there's physical therapy, and there's saunas. Um, so I've been making the most of that. I get a massage when I'm there most weeks, um, get in the sauna a little bit. I don't really know if it helps a whole lot, but I think it's meant to be quite good for recovery. Infrared saunas, not just the stone pouring some hot water on them. Um, but yeah, so that's about it. Um, Getting taken care of out there, eh? yeah yeah living the living the dream um living the dream but again like the thing with running is you're just running overall um it's pretty simple um not loads has changed but you know a bit um what about you with your the second part of the question your your kind of mindset i feel like you've always um, had a really strong strong mindset but how how's that kind of changed going from reading i've always been confident in my own abilities yeah um, whether or not i've reflected those results i've always been confident about my own abilities but um i think i think what the biggest thing that changes is um your race tactics due to due to your expectations so like the first time i made the national final i was like all right i i mean i'm here i'm just gonna go out in the back and kick down as many guys as i can in the last 400 And, um, and then every, and now with, if I'm making the national final, there is no way I'm going out in the back, right? Like I'm going to get out mid pack and then try to kick my way down. So I'm still, you're still implementing the same strategy where you're getting out, getting out somewhere and kicking down guys in the last couple laps, because that's, that's the way that I've always run. That's the way I like to run. Yeah. And I'm, I'm a kicker. So that's, that's what kickers do. Yeah. Um, but it's it's more of like what position you're doing that from, right? So um, uh, before I, I was happy to kick from the back because 
I mean, I was, I was happy to make it there. Right. And yeah. now I'm, I'm no longer just happy making it there. I'm going to get in the middle of the pack and kick down guys from, from the middle instead of from the back. But honestly, all that really depends on how the race goes out. Right. Like you, you have to think things through beforehand. And if it's going to be a jog fest, do you really want to be in the middle of the pack? Like, would you rather be up front, find yourself on the rail, box yourself in? Like there's so many things to think about when, when you're championship level racing, like when you're running three guys wide, Hey, you'd almost rather be a couple spots back, but have room to maneuver around. And yeah. And so, yeah, there's, there's a lot of things to think about and that that'll be kind of something we talk about more when we talk, when the nationals heats get announced and we talk about like kind of just my race strategies going into nationals, but, but yeah, there, there's a lot of things that runners really do have to think about, especially in these championship level racing. You're, you're not just, you're not time trialing anymore where you just get on, get on the line somewhere and then just try to hang on. Right. Like that's, that's not what championship level racing is. You have to, you really have to just be super efficient. Like the most efficient runner generally wins the race. Like whether, and Mario Garcia Romo did such a good job of that last year. Like in, in that tactical final, he, he always found himself in the rail yet. He always found himself in a spot where he could move around yeah. and, and he was leading going into the last lap. And even though I, I was probably sprinting much faster than he was, I was in the back trying to get around seven guys on the outside. I was probably running, I don't know, 20 more meters than him. Like that's, yeah. that's something that, I mean, he won due to his tactical awareness. Right. So um, I think that's, that's the mindset thing that changes over the years is that you get more intelligence when it comes to those tactical things. But um, yeah, really the, the strategy stays the same. You're just trying to do it at a higher level. Yeah. No, it's interesting stuff. Um, but yeah, no, I think, I think you've kind of covered that pretty well. I, I, one thing I think about, um, your mindset is from when you first arrived at Drake, like. On one of our first runs together, I'd run 340 for the 1500 when we first turned up and you were, what, like a 410? 412. 412 guy. 412 mile. So 354, 1500 probably. So um, you hadn't really run like a ridiculously fast time. Obviously, you were coming out of high school. And not that I had either, but like on one of our runs, yeah, you were just like, we were just jogging along and it was one of the first times i met you and you were like what is 340 1500 pace and we we were just jogging around the track and we we did a little stride together and i was like i don't know something close to this and you just always like knew that you were gonna get up to that level and you know go on beyond that and obviously i've got quicker since then you've got a lot quicker since then um and now you're finding yourself in you haven't missed a national final now for well, the last couple of years, I guess. So, um, yeah, it'll be good to see you racing indoor and then and then outdoor. Um, and then beyond that, the final question, actually, from Funny Dad. Um, thanks, Funny Dad. Uh, kind of talking on that and talking about winning national titles and stuff. Will Isaac turn pro? So, what have you got to say about that? Big one. Um, the answer is yes. It's more of a matter of when, right? So like, um, this, I still have one more year of eligibility left after this because everyone in the NCAA can be 50 and still run. Yep. So, so we'll see, um, we'll see if I use it. it. 
it right it's it's a value it's a value thing it's kind of kind of similar to what i was just talking about in the national stuff except it's a different topic but like no matter where you finish right you got to think where's my value right now like and as you get older right the older you sign obviously your value drops a tiny bit but then it's like all right do i think that if i spend one more reading in cla i can raise my value enough to make that age thing worth it so um yeah it just depends how you finish NCAA championships obviously depends how depends which clubs reach out um which which brands have interested in me and um yeah take it from there right like obviously like those discussions have started a little bit but um I, I have no idea what I'm going to do yet we'll see we'll see what happens and um I think that'll be the kind of thing that Right now, I'm just kind of focusing on, hey, like, let's do really well indoor. And then maybe during that little break we get in between indoor and outdoor, I'll kind of um, do have more of those conversations and figure it out. Spring break, the break between indoor and outdoor. Last year, we had a great time in Boulder. You're going back? Oh, yeah. Round three in Boulder. Round three in Boulder, baby. It'll be super fun. I'm so excited. It's definitely my favorite week of the year, so... I, I cannot wait. <laughs> <laughs> Good fun. Yeah. Wow. Mad that a year ago we were we were thinking about that. I guess, yeah, a couple more weeks and then spring break. Um yeah. yeah. So that that kind of covers pretty much everything we plan on talking about. As always, if you do have questions, drop them on the YouTube video. I don't think you can comment on Spotify. I don't even know. Like yeah, I know the podcast goes up there, but it's YouTube and Spotify. One day we'll get around to somehow figuring out how to get it on other other platforms. But comment on the YouTube video if you do have questions, um, and we'll aim to get to them. If not every podcast, and kind of at the end of every couple. Um, yeah. Anything yeah. else? No, I think we've covered it all. Um, Sweet. thank you guys for listening and. We'll we'll get another video out in the next couple weeks. Perfecto. Thank you, everyone.